The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Uh, I apologize for those that are live listeners. We we started a little late. We had some te- technical difficulties. Uh, today, I don't want to take any time with a lot of intro stuff because um, I have on the line uh, absolute legend in the religious community in the world, not just the United States, the Bishop, Dr. Barbara King. How are you doing there, Bishop King? Oh, I'm doing fine. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited about being with you today. Thank you, thank you. Um, for those who are listening, and make sure if you know people who called in and didn't get us at ten o'clock, please be mindful that this this show will be on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher and all the other podcast uh, apps, and they'll replay it a few times this week as well. So even though the sh- the show has been will be short, fifteen minutes we still will get what we need to get out of this. So, uh, Bishop King, before we get uh, really into the to, to some of my meatier questions about your legacy um, and your impact in the world as a religious leader, I want to ask you, first of all, because we, we didn't really get an opportunity to flesh this out in the way we really wanted to, um, um, if there's anything else you wanted to, to, to say to be complete about you're sharing about the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman before we go forward. Oh, my goodness. Um, Johnny and I were very close friends, and she was my mentor. And um, many times my son says to me, you're just another Johnny Coleman. So, But my life <laughs> spent in question with him was the greatest experience of my life. Had it not been for Johnny, I don't think I would have stepped into the ministry as I did because when I came to the church and eventually joined, I went to see her, and in her office, I'm sitting there bemoaning all of the issues that I had to face because I couldn't be a preacher in the Baptist church and the yada, 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 yada. And she turned around and said to me very clearly, very distinctly, and with power, Barbara, what's stopping you? And when she said that to me, like a flash of lightning in my soul, it came to me, nobody's stopping me but me. And from that moment on, 
my whole experience changed in what I was to be, what I had been called to be when I was 13. I stayed by her side. I did everything she asked me to do. Uh, I did a, a number of things around the church. I was doing programming. But I'm telling you, had it not been for Johnny Coleman, I don't think I'd be talking to you today. So God has a way of placing people on your path that give you direction of where you have to go. And Johnny was one of the most outstanding truth teachers in the world. We we not only admired her, but we got her words. And if you really listened to what she was saying and you took it in, you couldn't help but be what you were to be. So all of her teachings are still alive in me. I still have notes that I took in church. I still have notes that I took in her classes. I still have notes when, when we talked and things that she was going through. And so much I learned. So Johnny... Wherever you are today, just know you are still loved by Barbara King. I shall forever thank you and bless you what you gave to me, and I have in turn wanted to give to everybody else. She was my shining light, and she said, let your light shine. Her light was shining, and it shined on me, and I have attempted all of these years, 49 years in a church, starting a church, but before that, Many times with my sorority, I said, we need to have prayer. Or wherever I was, I was touching somebody's life or giving something. So her her light on me, and then to back up a little bit, my grandmother who reared me, who believed in prayer and could pray a prayer, talking to the Lord, like look it up or down, just eyes wide open. But between coming to her and meeting Johnny Coleman, my life just just went off in the truth movement like never before. I knew anything about New Thought until I met Johnny. She insisted I go to year to school. I went to the school. I went, took that summer program, and I studied, and I came out as a licensed teacher. But before I could do that, they encouraged me to go into the ministry of school, which I ended up not doing. So I have so much to thank her for. And those who know her, those who still remember her teaching, we have so much to thank Johnny for because she was not only divine, but she was powerful. She was a powerful woman. And when she spoke, you had to listen because her voice just went through to your very soul. So I thank you for letting me say these few words because, and then her mother, her mother and I were good friends. And when I'd come in church sometime, if I sat by her, she said, okay, Barbara, I'll start raising your hand. Now, I didn't come out of church regarding Christ, but my movements have all been so spiritual. If I raised my hand, if I say amen, I came out of church with nobody said amen in the Baptist church I grew up in Houston, Texas. So between she and her mother, I visit their homes many times. Johnny loved shrimp. I love shrimp. She would invite me to eat. Uh, I remember she used to have a prayer day on Saturdays, and different ones of us would pray at different hours on the Saturday. I was included in that. I mean, what else can I say? The legend lives on in all of us who had a chance to be with Johnny Coleman. Thank God. Praise God for her. And so it is. All right. Beautiful, beautiful. So, in the midst of after you learned and studied uh, so well with Johnny and you decided to start Hillside, um, yes. what was the larger vision that God gave you to to move to Atlanta and start this ministry uh, that would impact the world? Well, let me see if I can make this brief. I know we have a shortened time. I came to Atlanta upon graduating from Texas Southern University in 1955 to go to the Atlanta University School of Social and get a two-year master's program. And when I was here, because I'd been so so just 
caught him in what I knew to do, although they said I couldn't be a minister, but I would do things that were now I was ministering. And so when I came, nobody in the dorm, the three of us, would go to church on Sundays. And I went to Wee Street Baptist Church, because that's where our minister would send us. When we graduated, he was standing some church, and when you go here, he would contact the minister in that city to make sure that we went to that church. And so I started a, a, a meditation program in the dormitory. Just they don't go to church, the church comes to you. And so the two people who eventually married, a husband and wife team, um, they were not married because they were students like me, but she uh, played the piano, and he would get the students rounded up, and I would read from the Daily Word because I came to use it through the Daily Word from an experience of being in a hospital for four years in a regular sanitarium. And so that's all I knew of the Daily Word. I knew it had church till I met Johnny. So anyway... I'd read the Daily Word. I did a little half-hour service. I'd get on a bus, and I'd go across down to, 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 to church. In the meantime, going to the church for two years, I met a gentleman who was a great singer. I fell in love with his singing, really. And eventually, when I came back and graduated in 57 and went back home, he asked me to marry him. And so I married him, and that's what brought me back to Atlanta. He was a minister here in Atlanta. He was a radio announcer, Bishop Roy Blake. <coughs> so we married, and that's what got me back to Atlanta. Well, then he had a church, and he asked me to be his co-pastor. Well, the, the ministers in this town never liked that because they were not into women ministers at all. But in pastoring the church, I began the meditation service. I began doing things that I had done in Johnny Coleman Church, which he loved. But the people began observing me more than they were observing him. They began asking me to pray and that kind of thing. So he found this out I was taking a church, and he went on to say, he didn't have the divorce, he just walked out. And when he walked out, I made the decision later on, it was best that, we, that I divorce and begin my ministry on my own. So I was teaching at Atlanta University School of Social Work, and I would put out uh, the first book I had was The Game of Life, Matter of Fact. I put out The Game of Life. I put out, the, I sent for Extra Unity, uh, Daily Words. I put them on the desk. And the teacher would come by, and we were in a very financial crisis at the time. And they picked up the material, and they said, well, you're teaching all this stuff. You're talking all this stuff. Why don't you teach it? So I began. I invited 12 people. No, I didn't. I invited people to come to my house. And on a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, I would, the, the, the house I was renting was furnished, and the chairs were almost like in a circle. So people came in, and I would play soft music, and after the music, I would open up with a prayer, and then I would teach the lesson. I even learned how to do uh, lesson plans, which I never did in college because I didn't go to college to be a teacher. I wanted to be a social worker. And so anyway, as I would do that, the group began growing, and I'd call Johnny. Johnny, I had 20 people. And we talk on the phone. So finally one day, one night I had 60 people. They were, in, they were in every room in the house. They were in the, on the porch. They were in the sunroom. They were in the living room. They were in the dining room. And I called her and I awakened her. You know, you never woke up, John. She said, what do you want, Miss B? And I said, Johnny, last night there was 60 people in the house. I said, what do I do? She said, you will know what to do when it's time. And sure enough, the next very next Wednesday I said to all of these people, I said, I'm going to start a church. I'm not a seminary grad, and, and I invite you to come on Saturday at 12 noon, meet with me in my house, and we organize a church. Now, I thought all 60 folks would show up. They did not. That was very disappointing to me because they all loved me. What happened was in Atlanta, there was no woman minister who had made the step to come forward as I had done. And there were a lot of people who were reading so many New Thought books and didn't have them where to go to know where to get it from. 
And then there were a lot of people just looking for a church. And these were very, some of them were very prominent in Atlanta. I didn't even know who was in my house. You know, so-and-so was here. And you had so-and-so here. So anyway, so that Saturday, and by this time, I'm director of first uh, non-psychiatrist to direct, first female, the Mental Health Center for Emory University. So one of the ladies on my staff was a, had a husband who was a lawyer. And she said, if you're going to organize a church, you need my husband. So she said, I'll see you get there. When it turned out, there were 12 of us around my dining room table, and we began talking and planning. Well, having been a professional worker for the years I lived in Chicago, <clears throat> I knew we needed a, we needed a constitution. <clears throat> All this I learned from Johnny. We needed a constitution, we needed a board of directors, <clears throat> and we needed some money. Well, every Wednesday they meet in my house, I was put. They brought, I said, I don't need no money. I'm working. They would put the money down anyway. I ended up saving three thousand uh, dollars for the church. Now, what happened was when I was married to my. Let me back when I was married to my husband. I had a vision doing meditation one day of Hillside Chapel and Truth Center, and I said, "My God, what is that?" So I closed my eyes again, went back into meditation, and I was told Hillside represents a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Scripture, the chapels I worship place. And the truth is where I could do all of my social work. We could have uh, different groups. We could have mental health programs. Uh, everything I learned in it, that the truth center would be that focus for that. And I loved it. So I, I didn't give it to my husband because I knew he wouldn't take it. But I wrote it down. I put it in my Bible. And I was good with putting stuff in the Bible. So that day when we met, I said, well, we're going to name ourselves. And we went around the table and round and round for at least 10 or 15 minutes. And finally I said, I got a name. And I went to my bedroom, got my Bible, and gave him the name. And we became Hillside Chapel and Truth Center that day. Well, the lawyer finally showed up a couple of hours later. We just we were sitting around talking, and I had a little refreshment. And he came in in his clothes. He'd been cutting the grass. He didn't change his clothes. I had never met him before. And I pulled the Johnny coat, and I said, where are you going looking like that? Well, I was cutting my grass. I felt like a bunch of women. They ain't going to do nothing, no way. I said, well, this bunch of women, plus the man at this table, have decided we're going to be a church. You're going to work with us. And then he said, yes. Yeah. So when he sat down, I had the constitution. I had everything written out. <coughs> Excuse me. He was so surprised. And finally he said, well, it's going to cost you about a couple thousand dollars. I said, what do you need? He said, well, you can give it to me now. And sure enough, because I put that money in the savings that they had been put in a little cup or whatever on, on my table on Wednesday night, I was able to write him a check in our church's name, the, the savings and loans was allowed me to use the name, even though we were not registered. And we wrote, he was so outdone, he didn't know what to do. He became the best lawyer that, that we could have. And that's how we began. And from that moment, we finally decided to buy a church. When we went around looking at church, we, we didn't have enough money to buy a church. And he said, buy a house. And I said, a church and a house? Well, I came out of Chicago. I came out of CUT. We ever heard of a church in a house, and I came out of Houston, Texas, big-time church in Houston. So finally we started looking around, and believe it or not, a block from where we are now, we found a house on a hill, and the house had been designed by a couple who owned it because they had married. He took his wife to London. She liked the castle, so the house had that distinction, just like the castle side. The doors were all wooden arch. There was a little balcony leading up to the second floor. Uh, it was fabulous. And it was on a hill, plenty of land. It was just, it was the greatest thing that happened to us. So we put the, 12 of us got together. We put the down payment down on the house and began working toward paying for it. And that's how we got started. In that, and that, that's where house got started. And Johnny came. We had a grand opening. The carpet was bad. Uh, uh, 
couples, the Caucasian couple that I knew, they came, they went down to Dalton and bought coffee, they laid the carpet down. My neighbors who were Caucasian, they came, they flew, Atlanta's known for gorgeous, uh, I forgot the name of the tree, uh, with the pretty flowers on it. She cut off flowers, and they decorated the place. Johnny came, we had a grand opening, Sig Paulson back in the day, I knew all those, I knew all those old teachers, Sig Paulson came. It was wonderful, and we had about 50 people in this house, my living room. I went to Zales, I didn't have a lot of money, but I had a credit card from a store called Zales. I went to Zales and, and, and got some folding chairs, we had folding chairs, and we had a grand time in that house. And that was the beginning. And that house was still around the corner from us. We finally we sold. It. I wish we could have kept it, but at the time uh, we were attempting to buy, uh, we were going to uh, Okay, I thought. <laughs> I would say, Dr. King, it looks like they're telling us it's time for the break. So we're going to oh, take okay. this quick break, and we'll pick up from there. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Thank you. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell Welcome back to Truth Transforms um, I have the, 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 the Rev. Dr. Bishop Barbara King, she has all the titles. She's earned them all. And, Everybody calls um, me Dr. <laughs> <laughs> She's earned them all. She's earned them all. She definitely has. And um, I want to give you all an opportunity. If you want to call in and ask a question or make a comment, you can call in at 816-251-3555. 816-251-3555. So, um, uh, uh, Dr. King, I want to ask you a question really quickly and to about something that I think is very unique for your New Thought Center. Uh, far as I know, you're the only New Thought Center that promotes the Aramaic work uh, of, uh, of Dr. George Lamza and yeah. uh, Dr. Rocco Erico. How right. did you come to the conclusion to make the Aramaic uh, Bible work a part of your New Thought work? Well, let me, let me, I'm going to be brief, but I met Dr. Rocco because Johnny invited me to come to Chicago when he was doing a workshop. I was carried away. He did the, uh, oh, the ten, not the Ten Commandments. He did the, 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 but anyway, I was so carried away with him. And so I invited him to come to Hillside, and he would be traveling to Florida. He would stop off. That's when you could stop off for 10 or $15. And he would teach at, at Hillside, as small as we were. And we loved him, and I, I wanted him to come. So for years, he would come, and I would say, when are you going to come? You need to be in Atlanta. You need to be here. And finally, he's been with me now, what, I guess 20 years or more, and he came, and, and he introduced the Aramaic Bible. I had, he'd given me a personal copy, but he introduced it to us, and I said, then we will not use King James. We will use the Aramaic. So he bragged on us that we're the only church that uses that Bible. But in order to get an a, a understanding of what Jesus said, there's so many uh, uh, scriptures that are mis misquoted, mis misdone, and you go back and read how the Bible was translated. So therefore, the Aramaic language is the only language that Jesus spoke. 
They spoke in Aramaic. And Dr. Lamza was Dr. Rocco's teacher. And Dr. Rocco is the only living student of Dr. Lamza. So for him to be alive and still teaching, people don't know what a gift we have. I worked on getting him in, in the International Denominational Theological Center, but they weren't ready for it. But the man really needs to be teaching. So what happens is when he teaches on Tuesday nights at Hillside, not now, of course, we're on lockdown, but when he teaches on Tuesday nights, the ministers come from everywhere. I don't even go because I don't want to see them. And we don't have any fee. They give a love offering. But people have come to hear him. And he's getting into more groups in Atlanta, into more church in Atlanta. Uh, one one very large Baptist church wanted to come and teach. And I said, well, let them come to Hillside. But I realized they weren't going to do that. So we have opened the doors to them if they wanted to come and teach. So that's how we got him. And that's why the Aramaic language is so important to the world. Because many scriptures, the way they interpret it, if you take it literally, you think God's against you. And when you see the words in the, in Aramaic, let me give you an example. The scripture, I think it's Second Timothy one seven says, "God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind." And Aramaic says, "God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound discipline." So that that's the same concept, but it, from the Aramaic, that means discipline of the mind, not just sound mind and you leave it there, but you got a discipline of mind. And there are many scriptures that that we misread and because of the way the King James Version was written. So I tell people, pray whatever Bible you want, but I'm going to teach from the Aramaic, and that's where we got it from. Well, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. You know, I'm a big fan of of, of Rocco, and I, I will honestly say that, you know, I, he probably couldn't get rid of me if I lived in Atlanta. <laughs> I'll just put that. I'll just put that out there. He wouldn't be able to get rid of me. He he probably have to come to you and say, "It's this young minister that won't leave me alone." <laughs> he calls me about everything. He's always in every class. I, I he wouldn't be able to get rid of me. I'm at all. <laughs> so. <laughs> On Sunday, he gives you so much information and so much interpretation, like the word Christ. Christ is not the man. The word Christ means the anointing. It means the, the higher self. And that's why we say we are in our prayer with, through the Christ consciousness. And people say, well, how, can, how do they talk about it that way? Because they don't understand. And many times we get criticized and say we don't love Jesus. We do love Jesus. We're just looking at the way Jesus taught. And I'm a strong believer. If we really followed his principles, we could change, not only transform our own lives, but transform other people's lives. Absolutely. I'm a Absolutely. Jesus freak. No question about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so those... Those who are looking for um, some extra Bible study, if you're in the Atlanta area, give yourself the benefit of going to Hillside, not only getting new thought, but actually get Aramaic Bible scholarship for a love offering. You can't get that anywhere in the world. People go to school to get doctorates to learn Aramaic, and he's teaching it for a love offering. Give yourself yeah. that benefit. Uh, uh, so, so, Dr. King, I want to ask you about... Um, teaching the 12 powers. One of the things that I often tell people, this is my own opinion, is that you're one of the strongest 12 powers teachers in new thought. And, um, you know, you know, I made up the story that that's because Johnny Coleman ingrained it in you so much, but at the same time, it has to be your own personal liking. Um, what is it about the 12 powers that makes you want to teach it so strongly? Because the twelve, <clears throat> excuse me, the twelve powers are located right inside of us. That Christ consciousness, that higher self, that I am, 
whatever you want to call it, and it's called by many names, has within it the powers that make us one with each other, make us one with ourselves first. And so I believe that if we continue to to teach those powers uh, and you begin to understand you have love, you have faith, you have wisdom, you don't have to go get anything. It's already built right inside of your soul. It's, it's all that you are in the life of God that flows in and through you. And so, therefore, that's why I'm so strong about it. And what I really like, which we still do, when the teacher in unity uh, uh, wanted to teach the children's willpower, and I understand the story I got, was that she taught associate the power with the color. Now, that sounds a little childish for the children, but we still, because Johnny did it. I tell you, I'm a Johnny person. I, mean, I guess I'm a Jesus freak and a Johnny freak. But what happened was every month when we celebrate those faculties and our sermons at the beginning of the month dwell on what that faculty means, how we incorporate it into our very being, and in our, in our daily thoughts from the hill, our own devotional guide is stressed in there. There's a letter that introduces that, that month to tell you what, what, the, what the faculty means. Like this month is April, is wisdom. The color is yellow. And so when we wear the color, as the teacher did for the children, it's only to remind us to use our wisdom, use whatever that factor is for the month. I think it's the foundation of the unity movement. I don't hear much about it. But for me, coming through unity, but most of all, when I came to Johnny Jones with unity, so I, I, I have all of that in me. And I tell unity people, I will never give it up. It doesn't belong to them. It belongs to the world. So I believe that those 12 powers, if we get into some faculties, if you call them principles, but whatever you call it, if you begin to realize in the life of God in you is everything you could ever desire. You know, I thought you had to go get love. That's why I married so many times, messing up looking for love. What I found is the love was already in me, and I could attract to me that love which belonged to me. It's a great difference. When I learned that faith, not a grain of a mustard seed, but just to know that all I do is get still and 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 dream words about faith and and wait to hear the answer. That's another thing I believe that people need to know. Stop talking so much and learn to listen. Those twelve powers. I mean, you got uh, oh my lord, you got wisdom. You got um, I'm this I'm, I'm, I can't think right now. It's so it's so wonderful the twelve powers, but uh, each one of them. Remind you of your gift, and even though you may be celebrating them each month, but they all go together. You can't have faith without love. You can't have love without wisdom. And then Jesus always took with him Peter, James, and John, so that was faith, wisdom, and love. So when you keep those powers alive in you, when we when we pick up our daily talking here, we read about that power every month to lay people that this is what keeps you going. This is your life. This is it. So when you when you get fearful. Stop and realize I have faith in me to believe that I walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, my God, I love it. I love it. And I, and I know we're one of the few. It, you know, it's, 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 it's unity did a lot for me. It was the unity prayer of faith that got me out of a TV sanitarium after being there four years. When I repeat and realize if I repeat something over and over, it becomes a part of my subconscious. And that part I start believing it. And that's what these 12 powers do for me. I'm so glad. And, of course, I wear some yellow. Yellow is a good color for me. But beyond that, to know I have the wisdom of God in me. So therefore, when I don't know what to do, and I get still, and, and I, I listen, and sometimes it doesn't come right away. I wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning with ideas uh, flowing through my mind, and I'll either research it through my phone, 
or through some of the literature that I have around. But we need those 12 powers. And people have come down church. We have banners in them, have written them down. People have asked us what it means. And a lot of church in Atlanta who don't quite know the, the essence of it, but they use it in their own way. So whatever way your work gets out there, you've just done a lot of good work. The prayer protection, we got it all over Atlanta. Everybody's saying, they heard us saying it. We got everybody saying the prayer protection. But the, the 12 powers are, are, are necessary, I think. A part of our survival. Now, you need survival without them, but if you got them, it's certainly a good reminder. Beautiful, beautiful. So, you know, some of the other things that you're obviously known for, besides teaching the 12 powers, uh, is being a strong prosperity and spiritual healing teacher. Um, as you were teaching healing and prosperity to, prim- you know, to primarily the African-American community in Atlanta, um, how did it land and how, uh, with, with people learning that you can be a Christian and you can still be healthy, happy, and prosperous? Well, there's a lot of talk in Atlanta, I don't know about any place else, about people, are, the, the traditional ministers are against what they call the prosperity gospel. And there are ministers here who stress the money side without stressing the truth side. My position is that I learned in Johnny Coleman's church was that prosperity was more than money. Prosperity was health, it was peace of mind, it was your money, and uh, and and with that in mind, and and it was your healing uh, instrument. So, with that in mind, if you teach it from that angle, I've always been a tither. I was tithing. I've been tithing since I was thirteen, and you know, when I say I've been tithing since I was thirteen, when I was making five dollars an hour, I was tithing. So when people are taught the principles of prosperity is not just money and that it's a more holistic approach to it, it has more meaning. If you just dwell on money, it is a, a gospel that, that you appear to be making money for yourself, you may be making money for the church, but it has all kind of ramifications. But when you teach from a spiritual level that your good is always provided, Scripture say God knows what you have need of before you ask. And then Jesus said, if you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed. I just made a little mustard seed card with a mustard seed on it and gave it to the members before we got on this lockdown. And if asked me if they want it, they can, they can write in for it. Because we have reminders all the time of what Jesus told us. We give out these little cards and little statements and affirmations. We're reminding people. Now, everybody doesn't follow Jesus. I know that. And that's fine with me because I don't care what group I'm in. I know who I am. And I can work through it. I went all the way to India in March to see the Dalai Lama. We've been friends for years. And I sat there and, and shared with him. So it doesn't matter. We need to stop judging our groups but realize that this is what this is all about. So healing, I still believe in spiritual healing. I believe in going to the doctors. But I also believe in praying about the doctors you go to. Make sure you've got the person that can give you that, that, that work that they do. But it does not escape God's healing power. It does not escape that when you look like you're broken. I've been broken, so-called broken. A lot of times, the Reese would say, I had funny money a lot of times, too. But the point is, I held on and believed that somehow it would work out. And see, what we, what we try to do, we try to figure out what God's going to do. If you could just be still and listen and wait on the Lord and be of good courage, it will come true. So healing of the physical body and mind, uh, having the money that you need, having peace of mind, um, and realizing that, and, and good relationships, that's a part of it as well, then you begin to realize 
that I'm not alone, number one. The Spirit of God is in me. And sometimes it may not be anybody around me, but I know I'm never alone. And if I get still, God will show me how to open my heart, open my door to people that maybe I've never met before. Uh, I pray for healing all the time. They had said that my group, I'll be 90 this year, and they said that my group was the group at risk. Well, if I, if I, if I got scared about that, I meant to just lay down and die because I've been around people. My staff comes. We when they come, we we, we talk a distance, but they still in the house. If they brought if they brought some in, it would be in here. So I've got to believe in the healing power of that energy that's not known many times by doctors. That they do what they have to do, but let me do my part as well. And it's been studies that have proven that people who have faith in God make better patients. You know why? Because no matter what the doctor says, they, they will say, thank you, but I know my God will take care of me. And God is still in us as us. We take care of your body temple. That's another thing. You can't just do what you want to do with your body. You can't mistreat the body. You can't step all night and all these things we think we have to do. But when you get your required sleep, you get required foods that will keep your body strong. If you're taking herbs and you like them, go to your herbalist, go go to your acupuncturist, whatever these additional tools are that we get. It's God providing through mankind a way that we can get through everything. And so, therefore, that that's where I come from. Sure, I believe in prosperity, but not just means I don't care about. You know, you gotta have some money. And so a lot of people that get money don't do with it. That's number one. And number two. They're buying things that they don't need. The green element steps in. And, and I have to be, we used to say years ago, keep it up with the Joneses. So it's the way we teach it. If we teach it on the level of a spiritual law, it makes a difference. But if we teach it on the level of just getting somebody some money, it's not going to work. And I've heard it preached that way by preachers. I've seen them manipulate people into giving uh, by the use of certain stories and by the way they preach and I look at look at a lot of the stations with the Minnesota just to just to be open to whatever I'm hearing, but it's amazing. So when they say the prosperity gospel is is a sin, for many instances, it is away from God. All right. Well, well, I want to get a couple more questions in in the nine minutes we have left. Uh, so yeah, that was that was wonderful because I think that um, the the word of faith movement uh, you know has and i'm not saying word of faith ministers so let me be clear some of them have been associated with quote unquote with the prosperity gospel and i always often tell people that first of all new thought people take elements of new thought without teaching it in totality and because they'll get a little bit of it and then they'll run with one part without getting the whole thing and then they don't understand why the criticism comes up because it's not teaching it in a holistic way. Um, right. and, and, you, and I've seen some of the same tricks, um, to say the least. We'll, we'll move on. I, I don't want to accidentally name drop somebody. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, but what you're saying is true, and that's the, what we get out. People get a new take, new thought, and they, they bind it into their own. Uh, method of teaching, and it, it really is so unfair. But go ahead. I, I'm ready for the next question. <laughs> yes, yes. So, <laughs> so when, um, as a leader today, you know, um, you've been you've been a spiritual leader for decades, um, and spiritual leaders today are dealing with unprecedented times. Um, as, as a prominent spiritual leader who has years, decades of experience uh, teaching and training leaders, 
what would you say to spiritual leaders today as we deal with the COVID-19 situation and the not just the pandemic, but the fear that goes along with it? Um, I think we're having to talk to people more often. Um, I come on the Facebook on Sunday nights at 8 o'clock. I just one day discovered, see, I don't, I'm not a social media expert, so I discovered one day I could see myself on the phone and I started talking and, and names started coming up. So I took that to, to be the start of a, uh, not a new ministry, but an opportunity for me to pray with people. And um, I'm telling you, everybody that comes on with me, not everybody, but most of it, it's a, it's a fear thought. It's a thought sometimes of giving up. It's a thought sometimes I don't know how I'm going to make it. And so what I'm finding is just a morning I'm sitting on the side of my bed talking to you right now, and I'm sitting on the side of my bed and my secretary came in and she she put my phone, took my phone to make sure it was still operative because I had dropped it face down. I didn't know enough about it because some things started coming through not so clear. And she picked the phone and she said, let's see if, you, if it's still working for you to talk for the night. And it did, and she handed me the phone. I started talking. Within 20 minutes, there were 107 people on the line listening to what I had to say. And two of them were from Chicago, and one was Fred Nelson, and one was Connie Kennison. And when I saw the names, I said, oh, hi, Fred, because I was calling names, praying for people. And I said, is this the Fred used to be at at at, at, at uh, Christ Senior T? I said, hi, Kenny, you still singing? And they both responded back. I was thrilled to my toes. So just the communication is time. The best thing we can do is keep communication lines open. Keep telling people to follow the guidelines of CDC. Nothing wrong with washing your hands. Nothing wrong with the things they ask you to do. Drink plenty of water. Drink warm, uh, drink warm teas. Uh, eat, eat hot food. Stay away from a lot of cold stuff. All of that is good. And that's a part of what I'm saying about when the doctor comes with evidence. But with that, you must also get into your spiritual discipline. And that's what I stress when I'm talking to people. It's time to stop. Read the 91st Psalm. And then I saw in the paper the other day where the Bible has become the best-selling book now in the marketplace. Why are we going to get Bibles? Because they didn't get them before. So while they are open and reset, because let me tell you something, church will never be the same. Jesus didn't have a building. We can't work in our buildings now. Do you realize what's going to happen to all these buildings? Then when we go back, we're going to have to go back to social media. When we, whatever we're starting now is going to become our framework. This is a new world order coming in. It's already changing. And I know that this virus is going to pass. I know the vaccine will be found because we all are praying for it. But at the same time, right now is the time when people must turn back to that presence and power no matter what name they call. I'd make a good move if I had to be one. But turn back to what you know is real for your soul, what's real for your mind, what's real for your body. Well, you know, I'll, I'll be 90, and be said, God, Dr. Barbara, you look so young. I said, but it's all about a trust in God. When you have that faith to believe that you are God's child, and you know the best way to get it, and that's how I got in John's church, when I was told that life is God, and God is life, and that life indwells me now, that when you breathe, you're breathing God. When you talk, depending on what you say, you're talking God. Oh, hallelujah, this morning. So I, I, I believe that the virus is here. I don't know. I don't talk about where it came from. I'm not going to judge anybody. But the virus is causing people, families have to come together. Uh, uh, the greed in the marketplace has got to stop. Someone said to me recently, said, you know, 
In the new world order, a million-dollar apartment in Manhattan is not going to cost maybe $100 a month. See, things have to change, and there are people, restaurants, and companies open up their hearts to do things they could have done all the while. We've had homelessness for years. We've had people, right? We've had children in the streets. We've had child abuse. All this has been going on for years, and nobody cared. A few little people got out there and took the leadership to work with no funds sometimes, doing the best they could. Now everybody's heart is opened up, and that's what's happening in this virus. As bad as it may seem, and as many transitions that are going forward, we know that this is still our father's world, our mother father's world, our world to treat right. When we look at tornadoes and, and fires, when we look at the bears, the polar bears, the, the ice is melting in, in those areas. We look at, we had a, a bears from North Georgia. We have bears in Georgia coming all the way down from North Georgia, down here where I live, walking the expressway. It means we've turned the world upside down. We're building, we're cutting down the trees. The Amazon forest is going. They're cutting down trees in the Amazon forest with that healing herbs for anything you need. All of this chaos that we have lived through and has gotten worse, has got to stop. And so this is a new world order. I'm not going to come in. It's already begun. So that's why, that's why we got to stop and believe. Take care of yourself. Eat as well as you can, but pray daily. Let you, and that's why I like affirmation, because people say, well, I don't know how to pray. Pick up a mantra. Mantra and I, we're all in this together. And, and, and if you just use that, and when I'm going through experience of health, I say, God is healing me now. I took some x-rays recently, and I got on that table. That's all I can say. God is healing me now. I kept it up. And x-rays turned out all right because, first of all, I'm taking care of my body. And then the Lord just stepped in all right on time. So let's just know. Stop being so fearful and find things to do. You're in a house. You've got all these fabulous condos. You've got these fabulous homes which you have never enjoyed. Start enjoying your home. Enjoy the condo. Walk around your house and just say, let there be peace. Walk around the house and say, I'm divine and protected. When you get outside, say the prayer protection. Say it inside the house. Just, just keep yourself. And that's, that's that spiritual discipline that was in the Aramaic Bible of a sound mind, but instead of sound discipline, you've got to discipline yourself, and that's what's had to happen. Nobody has committed suicide. There's no need for that. But you must understand that as a, uh, an exact expression of God, I'm going to say this. I have a grandson, and his wife had a beautiful baby boy. He's going into, I think he's three months old now. And I wrote, the Spirit wrote me up at 2 o'clock, and I, when I wake up, I start writing things. I keep a pen and a pad by my bed, and I don't even turn the light on. I write in the dark, so it, it looks kind of funny sometimes, but but I write it legibly. And I, the Spirit told me to speak to them, and I said to them, James, do you and yes, Mel, realize that you were the vessel for God to bring his life through? This is God's life in your arms. This is God's life that you're bathing. This is God's life that you're addressing. Do you realize how important that is? And they hadn't thought about it. And my grandson, oh, grandmother, and my grand, my, my little daughter-in-law, she said, Grandmother, she said, I still can't open the baby. I said, I know, because it's such a blessing. We have to let people know that everything they're doing is God. I mean, the squirrels, the trees, the birds, and in Africa, in our heritage, we knew that. The missionaries turned us over. He's got to you know, come to Jesus, and you got to be saved, you said. Africans knew all the time that everything was God. I am yes. a chief in Ghana, and I can tell you, I learned that going to Ghana. But before I went to Ghana, when we started opening up our understanding of African culture, uh, we, we uh, got Bishop it. Bishop King, I, I, 
I, I, I got to put a, a pin in it. So I tell you what, this is what we're going to do. Because once I get past a series of guests I have, I'm going to reach out to you because I want to pick up on the Ghana and and the African spirituality, if you don't mind, because I got about 20 seconds or 30 seconds before we have to stop uh, for them to do the next show. So I if, if you, go ahead and do what you got to do. I love everybody. Love those who are listening and love you for letting me come on. Love you back. God bless. And I'll audience will be with you next week with Truth Transforms and Barbara King will be back. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.